0: Save your seat now at com. That's growandemaiallist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass.
1: That's the game, right? It's That's... not that like you just show up and it, the Dude. success happens. It's, am I gonna act on these ideas? Am I a good steward of them when they show up? If so, I'll get bigger ones and better ones until we get to the, eventually the thing that you're hoping to create someday in the long term.
0: I got this wild idea to reach out to friends of mine that are leading entrepreneurs, creators, and educators and facilitate conversations with each of them where they teach us something. I'm talking Amy Porterfield, Brendan Burchard, Russell Brunson, Sanira Madani, Lori Harder. The list goes on and it is glorious. I've pulled all of these trainings together into a remarkably unique, exclusive new offer called the Expert Series, in-depth life lessons with your favorite leaders. The entirety of this brand new course is totally free. As a little preview, I'm pulling some of my favorite parts of the trainings from inside the Expert Series and compiling them for you right here, right now learn the wisdom and strategy of investing, how to celebrate your body, how setting boundaries are a superpower for staying present, how the pros get unstuck, how to own your ambition and a ton more. While this episode plays, claim your access for free when you pre-order my book at howareyoureallybook.com. All right, ready to dive on in? Here's a peek inside of my brand new offer, the Expert Series, free when you order a copy of How Are You Really? Being Boss podcast hosted by Emily Thompson, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. Being Boss is another amazing resource for anyone interested in getting inspired and more importantly, getting started. I'm so confident that if you love Gold Digger, you'll love Being Boss. Emily covers topics like releasing the sense of urgency in business, how to empower yourself at work and have a side hustle, and finding your passion and purpose in life using astrology. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcasts. It's always so special chatting with my friend, Amy Porterfield, but she's sharing a topic in the expert series that she doesn't often get a chance to speak about. Body image and how your body image can impact your ability to show up. Listen in. When I was texting you back in January and being like, I want to feel vibrant. Like I'm giving myself a six month runway before this book comes out to like really make this Feeling a priority. So, what does that
2: look like for you as you're gearing up for like your busiest season of the year? So, these days, this is very different from in the past. In the past, I would actually be so nervous about a launch coming up or something in my business, I just eat my way through it. Yep. And because I just refused to go back to that behavior because it made me feel very just depressed and sluggish and not great. So, now I do exactly what you just said. And I worked on this with my coach. Yeah. I choose a word. How do I want to feel throughout this launch or throughout this campaign we're doing? And how do I want to feel at the end? Yes. And I focus on the feeling because one thing I learned through coaching is that a thought creates a feeling. A feeling creates the action. And so if you are feeling a certain way, change the thought, choose a new thought so you could feel the way you want to feel. And you're right. Once we start feeling a certain way, the action that we take based on our confidence level can be incredibly rewarding if we have that confidence. So I choose a feeling and usually it's something like, I want to feel energetic. You said that word earlier. Mm -hmm. I want to feel energetic or I want to feel present. The minute you start worrying about your thighs on live video, you are literally not there for the people you are serving. You're just not present. So I choose a word and I'm very intentional. That's another great word. I'm very intentional now Mm -hmm. about how I navigate this. So I choose my word and then I choose a few different action items I need to take to make sure that is going to happen. And one of them is that I have to plan some meals. I'm not a big yes. meal planner, yes. but before no, a launch, so right, if I've got yeah. a fridge full of things I love, not just healthy, but just things I love that are going to fuel me throughout this whole thing, that's a huge step. Yeah. And also, I think it's so important that we move our bodies, not work out, not lift weights. I'm not saying I don't care what you do, but have you found, because I know you do a lot of movement too. Have you found 100%. just moving your body just a little in the morning clears your head to allow you to do the great work you need to do? And yeah. it centers you like it, it almost makes you like come home to your body. Like yes. when you talk
0: about presence, when you're moving your body, even if you're just like stretching when you wake up, all of a sudden it's like, you're a whole being. And I don't know about you. There's this part of my book where I talk about how I used to almost want to like separate like my brain and soul from my body. Cause I'm oh. like, my brain is great. I'm super smart. Yeah. I am confident in that. My soul is so pure. I love people. My body we will talk about that later. And it yeah. was like, once I started recognizing like that, like mind, body, spirit are all one thing. And like, I am a whole person in my body it changed it. So I think movement is a massive thing and movement to not punish your body, but to celebrate what it can do. Writer, speaker, and world traveler, Glow is addressing something she knows well, boundaries. But boundaries aren't about keeping people and things out of your life. They help keep you in it. Listen in on this. What would you say in terms of this? like next chapter for you, what is a goal? Like, how do you know when you're really being present? Like if somebody was watching this and they were like, I think I'm present. I don't know. People tell me to be present. I like, I kind of know what's going on. What is a good, like check-in? Like, how are you really type point of like, just touch base.
3: Ooh, if someone comes to you and says, describe what you were doing at 2.04 or at 2.00 PM today, or at any given point of your day, and you can describe in detail something, you are present. But if they're like, okay, describe your morning. Uh, uh, I brushed my teeth. Up. If your mornings are a blur, if your afternoons are a blur, you're not present. So just think about that. Whoa, that is good. I'm going to be like
0: 1044 AM. I'm waiting <laughs> I literally did a meditation this morning, which is so funny because I was someone who was like, I can't meditate. My brain is too busy. All, you know, all the rules of why we can't, yeah. I have now become somebody who meditates. Yeah. And in the meditation, they were literally just repeating. It was Ram Das And it was like, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And he was just saying that like true peace, like you said, is like, noticing the sky is blue. And he's like, when you notice things, it's impossible to not fall in love with them because you just see how much bigger everything is. And I loved that because I was like, it's not this whole thing of like, I need to be right here. Like, it's not this frantic pursuit. It's like, I'm just aware I'm just noticing. And I feel like when we think about relationships, when we think about work, when we think about life, when we think about moving through all of these things, like, One of my biggest things like with Drew that I've had to think about is he's the stay at home dad. I'm the worker bee. I get noticed every day because of my work. His work often goes unseen or unnoticed. And so every day I try to like, even as we were going to bed last night, like, thank you for going to the post office today. Thank you for bringing out the garbage. Noticing is a way of loving. And I think when we think about presence, it's like, like we overcomplicate it so
3: much. Oh, that's so huge. I love that you even shared that because I think relationships are such, they're the trickiest, but most beautiful and rewarding things that pursuits, I think that we can have in life. And when people can think about some of their happiest moments or when they felt most valued or loved, it's like when they were noticed doing the most mundane things. Yes. Wow. Oh, you pay attention to me. Yes. Oh, you care. Yeah. You see that.
0: What would you in closing, I never want to wrap this up. I'm like, I just want to (laughs) be with you all day. What would you say has been like a pivotal moment in your life, like a before and after in your pursuit of like peace and presence? Like, have there been any things that you've walked through where you're like, there's a chasm right here. And I was a different glow before.
3: Yeah. So imagine living out of a suitcase for almost 10 years, (laughs) four suitcases to be specific, never really sleeping in the same bed for more than three nights. There is this beautiful chaos that you become addicted to and attached to. And I was on this chase and this hunt for like this thrill. I need this constant thrill to feel alive. I need to always be on the go. I need to be always booking a ticket on a plane. And I was always chasing the next high. And then right before the pandemic, I got my first apartment and I was like, okay, this is new. Uh, okay. I have a couch sit here today. I'm I'm teaching myself how to find joy in the day to day. And I was like, you can create joy in the monotony, but not just create it, but you can notice it too. And I was so thankful that I didn't know peace until like the pandemic sat me down. I had to literally <laughs> have this global terrorizing, horrible thing happen for me to realize like, "Glow, you needed some sense of stability because uh-huh. you grew up in chaos. So that yes. became normal. Your yes. comfort zone was chaotic. Unstable home, unstable parenting, unstable schools moved a lot. Chaos was your comfort zone. And now when there's peace and stillness, you're like, wait I need to be doing I need to be moving and jumping and it's like wait let me this is really uncomfortable and like I feel anxiety but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in I'm gonna learn to love this because I know that this is gonna tell me something and now I'm just like oh my goodness like this obviously like I built my dream oasis like it it's so peaceful here and it's hard to get me out of my apartment now (laughs) (laughs)
0: like who am I here I am Brendan Burchard is a maestro of momentum. For the Expert Series, he's sharing a strategic framework for settling into a groove of small, consistent steps of progress, whether you're just getting started or you're in the middle of mastery. Hear what he has to say. What is something that would shock people who are watching or listening to this? Because you work with high performers, like some of the top performers in the world. What is something that would shock people to learn about these top performers and the topic of motivation?
4: They take more breaks than you do.
0: Ooh, (laughs) okay, let's talk about it.
4: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I always tell people, and maybe you've heard me, you shared this metaphor before, but it's it's so game-changing when people get this. Um, I'll share two metaphors real fast. One of the world's largest productivity apps studied what, you know, productivity patterns of people. And they noticed that the most productive people in the world take on average a break every 52 minutes. Now, my work a decade before and throughout has shown it's about every 48 to 50 minutes. So let's call it just 50 minutes average, that they take a mental break or literally a physical break. They get up and they go get water. They Mm -hmm. walk around the house for a second. They stand and close their eyes or they just kind of go to the water cooler and get a coffee. But then they come back and they stretch a little bit and they do a vinyasa flow or they just pull away from their computer and go, and they breathe for a second. Yes. And what they're doing is releasing tension and then resetting intention. My practice in high performance habits, we just call it release tension, set intention. And the other metaphor to help people understand this is, you know, if you ever watched race cars go around the track, you're watching it. The race car can go around the track for the entire race, usually at the speeds it does. But it takes pit stops during Mm -hmm. the race. It actually doesn't need the pit stop. It takes the quick pit stop to reset. It takes the pit stop to ensure that it can actually go longer, yeah. faster, more focused. The pit stop is actually vital. The machine can do it, Yep. but that reset allows everything to perform faster, longer with greater stamina. So that's what that 50 minute break is psychologically. It's a reset that they take. And you know, most high performing executives, as an example, Mm-hmm. they set their, they don't set 60 minute meetings. They set 45. Why? This is worldwide data. Yeah. The highest performing executives set their meetings at 45 minutes, not 60. Why? End it. They got 15 minutes of releasing a little bit, capturing some notes, setting intention for the next thing. That's a reset. They're doing that all day. Most people, they do it at once or twice a day. Most people, they don't drink any water throughout the day. Most people, they don't move their body throughout the day. They go, Brennan, I got my morning workout. And I'm like, and then you sat and did nothing all day. Yeah. The, the body needs to refresh and reset. So as an yes. example for me, my goofy activity, which is, you know, every 50 minutes, I have a little alarm goes off on my, I just set a reminder in growth day, get a little notification. Yeah. And every 50 minutes goes off bings. I'll usually stand up. I close my eyes. Because a lot of mental fatigue is actual visual fatigue in the modern world where you're staring at emitting light sources. Yep. Okay. So I close my eyes. I stand up. I bounce in place like this. I'm not jumping. I'm softly bouncing. And then I take 10 deep breaths. <sighs> <sighs> and I'm repeating in my mind the word release. Mm. I'm releasing the tension in my body and I'm releasing any thoughts in my mind. I do that on average every 50, maybe 90 minutes. And that allows me throughout the day. Yeah. I'm letting go of stuff. Yes. Getting more focused, letting go, more focused, let it go. And most people, they're grinding and they're like, how has Brendan outperformed everybody for 16 years? It's like, I do that. I wish that's, I think that's what shocks people. They think, is he
5: this (laughs) or that or
4: that? I'm like, no, I just take breaks a lot. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Isn't that amazing though? Because I feel like right now, people's tendency when they're feeling stuck is to do more and it's not to release. And so it's like, everyone is just like, well, maybe if I just like add one more thing, maybe if I go one step further, maybe if I make more money, maybe if I book more jobs, maybe if I start the next thing. And it's like, sometimes you get way more done by doing less. And you and I both live that way. Do you truly trust your intuition? Sanira Madani shares how to slow down and notice the differences between fulfilling a lot of life's supposed to's and none of our wants, goals, and dreams. Hear what she has to say. To choose a different path to say good for you, not for me is a really massive thing. It's almost like rebellion in today's culture, right? And so it's like you have to be rooted in confidence to do that. Where do you find your confidence? What does that look like? Do you have any tips around confidence? Because I just feel like so many people are like, hey, I want to do this thing and it sounds crazy. Or hey, I want to go this direction. I want to leave this job or find this partner or whatever. And it's like, it sounds crazy. And it's like, it's not crazy when you have the confidence. So talk to me about
6: confidence. Oh, confidence. This topic of confidence, we <laughs> all have it in us. It literally says it up on top of my like office right here it says you have it you absolutely have what it takes this was something that what's funny is like my parents like my dad would literally tell me every day you have it you have it so i was instilled with a lot of confidence but still all of this like fear as well but a lot of the times i think for women more so than men is that we just i think it's because of our perfectionist tendencies it's because we're afraid of failing it's because we're scared of judgment. I think that that's where the confidence is rooted in. It's more so in the judgment than it even is the failure. Because as society, there's so much pressure on us to be a certain way. And yes. that's what we see growing up on TV. And in magazines, I'm not even talking about, and I know you talk about this so much on the physical pressures yeah. of being a woman and how we should, you know, what our bodies should look like. And it's not the failure, it's the judgment. And so that's what I think causes Whatever happens in our brains to stop us from taking that leap or taking that action. But the thing that I have learned now over the last decade of a lot of failures and a lot of success, like the biggest question, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Yes, 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 yes. You can live with that. So ask yourself, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Okay. And I have to ask myself and everyone, everyone, has fear. So you're not the only one. Okay. And we think that we're like the only, we're so selfish. We think that we're the only special person in the entire world that has ever gone through any sort of whatever we're going through. We all go through the same things, every single successful person or anybody that you see that you're looking up to, they went through that same journey. But you ask yourself, if you go for the thing, the job, the partner, the scariest thing that you're conjuring up, what's the worst that's going to happen? And honestly, and if you can live with the worst that's going to happen, which is going to be, you're not going to get it, or you tried and, you know, a friend made a snarky comment or somebody said something on, if you show up like creating an account, you create that reel, or you do something and somebody doesn't like it. If that's the worst thing that's going to happen, if you're willing to live with that versus you not doing it, what's the worst? That's the question that I would ask is what's the worst that's going to happen. You're going to like, look like an idiot. Cool. But what's the worst that's going to happen if you don't do that? Yeah. You're going to get stuck you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be in the same rut or that same hamster wheel, or somebody else is going to start this beautiful idea of yours and execute on it. And someone else is going to meet that partner of yours. Like, how would that feel? So you have to ask mm-hmm. yourself, like, is this worse or is this worse? Yeah. And I guarantee you, I guarantee it that the latter is the worst by not going for it. So oh. whatever it is, no matter how small, whether it's getting on that stage or posting on social media or quitting your job, like no matter how big or small, ask yourself, what's the worst that's going to happen? And if you can live with that, then go for it. And if you can't live without it, then that's your answer. You have to.
0: What is the secret to staying accountable to your goals? Lori Harder believes it's all about a connected, intentional community. What she said surprises me. So you, and you can totally disagree on this. So one thing I think that would be interesting to see if you agree or disagree is so the two types of people, the people that are like one step ahead of you or a mile ahead of you or a lifetime ahead of you. I feel like a lot of times to be in community with them, it takes an initial investment, whether it's time, energy, or money, because, you know, the busier people get, or the more successful they are, The less bandwidth they have. So, how can you create value for them or fill a need for them or like become a student of theirs? And it's really interesting because, you know, if you think about like where we met, like that was a massive investment to just be in a room and to trust, you know, the creator to get the right people in the room, which was exactly what happened. But I feel like a lot of times we see the people that are ahead of us, but one, we don't start with the resources already available to us. (laughs) that they've created. And two, we don't think about like, how can I invest in them
7: if I expect them or want them to invest in me? Do you agree with that? I 100% agree. I know before the mastermind that we met in, I had put money down or I had joined another mastermind. It was Jack Canfield's mastermind, actually, I think maybe two years prior to that. And I remember the investment. I did not have that investment. (laughs) at the time. yeah, And for me, that was the thing, right? That was the consequence yeah. that I found that if I put that money down and didn't show up, the consequence would be really big. First yeah. of all, it would be big for me to feel that waste yeah, and like, Oh my gosh, I just, took all that money that was really important in our lives and put it to something that I didn't use. And number two, my husband would have killed me at the time. <laughs> like he would have been like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I knew that that added to where I was at adding to this, you know, this consequence that was going up for me. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a really good you know, thing that will hold me to what I want to be doing. So that was the first time that I did it and it worked. It absolutely worked. And not only did I attend every single one, because that's the difference, right, Jenna? If that was free, do you think I would have even shown up to the first yeah. one? Because all my fears yep, came yep. up before I went. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. My anxiety flared up. My social anxiety was like through the roof as I was walking in there. I sat in the back, I didn't talk to anyone for like the first three days. And this is how long it took me. Literally. I remember the second week I started talking to people because it was broken up into three weeks. So the first week that I went, nobody knew who I was. I sat in the back. The second week I went, which was like four months later, people were like, were you at the first one? They literally asked me that. I was like, okay, so not only do you have to show up, but you're yeah. telling me that I have to actually participate. show up. Yeah. And, participate. <laughs> and that lesson took me a little while to learn. So yeah. if you guys are anything like me, I think that that's, you know, I love sharing that just because it might take you a little bit to be like, the first step might just be, put the money down, get there. The second step might be, okay, I did that. Now, how do I want to make sure I extract the most value out of this for me? Or that money is still going to go to waste, right? I know you've had people show up in your community that you're like, dang it, I wish they would just see, like if they would just show up and ask the questions or just, you know, take that, like Mel Robbins' five second rule, and shoot your hand up and ask the question. Yes, scared out of your mind. Yes, to to really show up in those communities. But yes, to your to your statement, absolutely. I've always had to invest. I can't think of a time when I didn't invest money that really initially like shot me over that first big like mountain, you know, into the goal.
0: Doing good isn't only good for those around us, it's also good for business. We've seen it time and time again, companies with solid mission statements grow stronger with their customers, employee retention, and their bottom line. Whatever your mission is, HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that grows with you. HubSpot's easy-to-use website builder helps you create, manage, and update your business's unique online presence so you can get your mission out to the world quickly and easily. Plus, with seamless plugins that help you track customer activity, you'll know what's clicking and who's not all from your HubSpot dashboard. Get started and get going for good with HubSpot. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. Oh man, this is a topic that sits close to my heart. Balancing motherhood with ambition. Allison J. Prince tackles the questions. How do you create a new vision of ambition as a parent? I can't wait for you to listen to this. Walk me through how you kind of approach either the notion of balance or blend as you kind of play so many different roles in your life as a wife, as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a boss, as a leader, you know, walk me through what that looks like.
8: Oh, I'm so glad that you brought up that topic because I do. I see a lot of social media posts on, let me help you find balance in your business. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What is that? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Balance. I mean, that'd be like going to the gym, right? And just lifting enough weight to feel balance, that doesn't get you to grow your muscles. You Mm -hmm. have to work hard for anything to be successful, right? Like Olympics don't have a balanced life when it comes to winning the Olympics. They have to push to the extreme. And as business owners, we do. We have to get so uncomfortable. We have to stretch. We have to go through so many mind tricks that we play with ourselves over and over and over again. And if we don't, we'll just stay average and we'll just stay mm-hmm. there. And I saw a meme the other day and it was Tetris. Did you ever play Tetris? Oh, all the time. Yeah, so, you know how <laughs> you need you those know. long skinny ones. <laughs> <laughs> then when you have a row that is all lined up, it goes away. Yeah. And so if we do try and blend and become those Tetris rows, we go yeah. away. We yeah. have to be okay with being different, with stepping out and doing uncomfortable things. Now, here's the deal. I have a family. I have dogs that need to be fed. I have groceries that need to be bought you know all of the things that we have yep. to do. Right. And so what I do is I've created what's called power hours. Ooh, okay. And this is where I allow myself to become unbalanced. And so in the beginning, my very, very first business that I did, I am not a morning person at all. <laughs> like, let me sleep in at five o'clock in the morning should not exist to me. Like, what you, I don't even yeah. know. Right. <laughs> and so I said, you know what, I'm going to get up from five to seven every single morning. And I'm going to put my headphones on. And I told Jared, I'm like, unless someone is bleeding or the house is burning down, this is my time. Mm-hmm. And I really worked as though the internet was going to go out or like, have you ever gone on vacation? Your Laptop's going to die. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I get so much done yes. in those two hours. And Jenna, that was the start five in the morning to yep. seven in the morning. Cause like clockwork, my babies would wake up at seven Oh three and I'd have to go and start the whole breakfast routine with four kids. I had to make those hours work. And that was the start of building a multi multi million dollar business as I became very unbalanced in my sleep for a while. Yeah. And then as it started growing, then I had to stay up a little bit later. And so I didn't have the best balance of sleep because my priority was to be okay with not being balanced at the time to yeah. be able to grow this thing.
0: So I love that. And it's funny because. I've recently, especially going through this book launch process, and you and I are so similar. Like we share a heartbeat in how we approach our work now, which is very different than the early days of entrepreneurship. And I've really recognized that like, I have to like make my health and my energy, the priority right now, oh, whatever yeah. that looks like. And so it's been really interesting and this is the dumbest thing, but it has been absolutely life-changing and it's so crazy that it took me so long to learn this, but like usually when drew would leave for dropping cocoa off at school, that was when I'd right, get to work like the most productive hour right at 8. AM when the house is quiet. And now I flipped it. And that's the time when I meditate, Mm -hmm. like slow down, breathe, stretch, sit in front of a red light, like do any of that (laughs) stuff. And it's so crazy how, when I take even just like 30 minutes, even during my most productive time and like pour into myself, my energy throughout the entire day is different. It's better. It's less frantic. It's less urgent. You've heard from him before on the podcast, and now Dean Graziosi is showing up for the Expert Series to talk about how what you believe about yourself should impact how it is you invest. Listen to his tip right here. And I think that a lot of times when we look at investing in ourselves, we're so focused on like the want that we miss these opportunities to take in the things that we really need. Do you have any sort of like frameworks or things to decide if something is a worthy investment? Because there are so many things these days that we could be investing in. Is there any like mental checklist or anything you go through to be like, this is worth my time, energy, money?
9: Yeah. So really, really great points. And what you said is so profound, is most every mastermind workshop, course, ebook, training I've bought, yeah. I bought because I thought of one reason, Yes. and I actually got something completely different, and the universe showed up exactly when I needed it, and, and I love it's so that. great that you, understand, you you see that and realize that. Here's what I'd say, we all have unique abilities, yes. and sometimes, and this might be opposite of what you believe as you're listening or watching today, but I believe one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to work on our weaknesses. Now we lot to get better at some things, but yeah. sometimes we spend our whole lives investing, and I want you to hear this, investing in, I'm gonna to go to this workshop on accounting structure, SOPs and KPIs. If you're a creative, if you're an innovator, you're investing in something that just goes against the grain. You feel uncomfortable, it just doesn't work, and then you have a bad experience. I could never be a part of, if you ever read the book, Traction. Mm-hmm. In Traction, the whole thing talks about being an innovator or an integrator. Yeah. And I'm an innovator. I want to figure out what's next. I want to see around corners. I want to invent tomorrow. Yes. But talking about processes and systems and KPIs and standing <laughs> operating procedures and spreadsheets and, oh my God, I literally say it and I could get red in the neck. <laughs> so you think to yourself, I'm good at innovation. Let me go into a workshop or a mastermind and buy something on this. And then you have a bad experience. In my opinion, what I like is I'm not great at a million things, but I'm really good at a few. Yeah. And I will choose things that are in that. I love to impact. I love to sell people into something that'll change their life. Right. Right. Somebody getting your book will change their life. I will scream from mountaintops for people to get it, Jenna, because I know you, I know the heart, soul, I know your life experience I've done, and I will do more to push more people in your book because selling them into your book to take that action will change their life. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I want to get better at that influence. I want to be better at sharing. I want to be better at Mm self-education. So instead of, for me, this is my, instead of thinking, how do I need to get better at something I suck at? Yeah. Can I hire someone else to do that? While simultaneously, can I be a part of a workshop, a mastermind, a course, a training program, a community that takes my skill that I love to do to a whole nother level? See, I will go to masterminds about marketing. We were just at a, yep. we mastermind in Florida All the time. five weeks ago. <laughs> Tell yeah. me you didn't write a hundred pages of notes, even yes. though we know these people were go- like it fine tunes the skill. So I think one of the biggest definition of success is getting amazing at what you're already good at because yes. you'll have enthusiasm behind it. You'll have passion behind it. And then as Warren Buffett, listen, I don't follow Warren Buffett a lot, you know, but he is one of the richest people in the world. They consider him the best investor in the world. And he just went live a couple of weeks ago and he said yeah. two things about going through inflation and gas prices and an inevitable recession. He said two things, you know what the first one was? Do you remember Jenna? No. Invest in yourself. That was mm-hmm. his number one. Get better at what you're already good at. Cause he said, if The dollar depreciates. If it's Reichmarks or seashells, if you're better at what you do, you will get your piece of the pie. No matter how devalued the money is, you'll get more of it because you're better at what you do. Yeah, Think about that, right? So I would consider if you're going to do a three-point check is what's the thing that could actually move the needle in my life? Not just make me busier, not try to learn something I'm never going to be passionate about. What could move the needle? Who has already done it And how can I get their knowledge?
0: When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. who are making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers, and you can be one of them. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash goal. That's kajab dot slash goal. Join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion today at kajabi.com slash goal. In Mel Robbins' pursuit of genuine joy in her life and work, she found one thing to be vital and also most people's biggest obstacle, knowing when and how to ask for help. Need help asking for help? Well, that's what Mel is digging into. What I want to urge everyone listening and you to think about is that Never in the history of our lifetime or even our parents' lifetime has there been a global slowdown, like a collective moment that the entire world experienced all at once, right? Like when does that ever happen? And I feel like we are given this incredible opportunity right now, this invitation To move forward in a new way, right? Like, I loved COVID in the sense of like nobody was inviting me anywhere, so I didn't have to say no, right? But now I'm like, okay, wait, when they say it takes a village, do I have a village? Like, when they say motherhood takes a village or entrepreneurship or marriage or whatever, I think a lot of us are looking around and it's like, we don't have villages, but let's talk about part of why it's because I think a lot of us are white knuckling things. You talk about being in this place where it was survival mode. That's like white knuckle central. Right. Uh And asking for help for me, there's actually a chapter in my book all about asking for help and how I for so long was like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Until life forced me to say, I need help full stop. No you know, iterations or no asterisks of why I just, I need help. What has it looked like for you in survival mode? When you recognize like, I cannot white knuckle this anymore. I need to invite people into my life to support me, whether it's as simple as Uber eats and getting grocery delivery or as complex huh. as hiring a new team member.
5: Cause you're doing both, you know? Yeah. Well, unfortunately for me, It required me to slam into a brick wall and be like one breath away from needing to have an inpatient commit. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was so stubborn in my ways that I just ran until I hit a wall. And interestingly, it's in that breakdown that the help Mm -hmm. showed up. And I am aware, and I think especially the women watching this, you need to be aware that we assume too much responsibility for things. And when we assume that we are responsible for everything or we have a story that nobody's going to do it for me anyways, it's easier if I just do it myself, then you're not actually creating room for somebody else to help you. And so when I had a breakdown in my business right when COVID started to hit, I just had a bunch of serendipitous things happen where somebody that we're really good friends with, Brenda Burchard, reached out just to network and say hi, and to build community because he makes it part of what he's doing, which is why he has community. And it was in him reaching out that I realized I really need help. I told him what was going on and boom, like all of a sudden I'm not alone. All of a sudden I have advice around me. And that has created just a total complete domino effect in my life where I have made a decision. I'm not freaking doing this on my own anymore. I'm tired of being lonely. I'm tired of having to reinvent the wheel every time. It's so much more fun to even reach out to other people and just ask them, you know, what are their thoughts on something that you're thinking about? And so that was the beginning of a completely different way of thinking about things and doing things.
0: Russell Brunson wants you to allow passion to be the driving force behind what you create. With his rich expert series session, you'll learn how to experiment more in your work and not let the fear of risk hold you back from what you're called to do. Listen to what he has to say. Talk to me about procrastination, because I think when we think about this idea of lack of momentum or fearing that you're going to lose momentum, procrastination plays a huge part in it. Like people are afraid to take the first step. They like disqualify themselves from the race before the gun has even gone off. Talk to me about procrastination and how someone can overcome this paralyzing thing that is keeping them from progress.
1: Yeah, so procrastination is fascinating because I think a lot of times people think it's one reason they're procrastinating, but it's actually usually something completely different. Totally. And so I think the first step is actually stopping and trying to become aware of it. Like, why am I procrastinating? Like, why do I keep, And then I start doing I go out to eat or I go and I walk and talk to my friends or check my phone. Like, what's the actual reasons why you're procrastinating? And then it's, it's being super aware. Like, again, I think the number one reason I found working with entrepreneurs now for 20 years, the number one reason why entrepreneurs procrastinate is yep. not because what they think Like the reason why they, they procrastinate is because they have a dream and they're yep. scared that if they put the dream out there and it fails and the dream is going to die. It's the death of the dream that keeps them from moving forward. Isn't that crazy? It's like, it's, it's so not like, crazy. It's you know, so crazy. It's so
0: crazy because then they're not doing anything. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's like I'd rather just keep this and still have the dream alive yes. than to put it out there and then it dies. And then what then what? Then what do I do with my life? And it's like you have to understand, oh. like, and so as soon as you're aware of it, like, look, if I put this out there doesn't work, the dream's not dead. Yeah. It's just cool data. Now I can change it. Data, you know, it's it's part of the progress. Yeah. You know, in sports, you wouldn't wait till you were good enough to be a state champ to have your first wrestling match, right? You wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense. But we do that in business all the time. Like, as soon as I'm good enough to be a state champ, then I'll go out on the mat. No, like you gotta start now, you gotta become worthy of it. You become worthy over time. Right. It's the little things. It's like testing and trying and doing it. Like, that's what makes you worthy of the journey. It's not anything ahead of time. Like, I remember I had this conversation. This is probably two or three years in the ClickFunnels. I was meeting with these, like some young entrepreneurs and some guys like, oh, you're so lucky that you found ClickFunnels. And I stopped (laughs) and I was like, no, I was like, just so you know, prior to ClickFunnels, I'm like 14 years. 14 years I was building funnels before he came up with the idea for ClickFunnels. Yes. I was like, if somebody would have given me click funnels 14 years ago, yeah. it would crush me. I wouldn't yeah. have been able to handle it. My capacity wasn't big enough. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have the team. Like none of the things would have been possible. Like I had to become worthy of that idea. And so I did it first by selling a DVD on potato guns, which yes. guess what? Like we sold maybe a thousand bucks of potato gun DVDs and that was it and it died. And then I made another one on the software called Zip Brander. Oh, you guys remember Zip Brander? Nobody does. They only <laughs> sold a few copies. And I made another product called Article Spider and then Forum Fortunes. And then I had I literally for funnel hockey live two years ago, I pulled up every funnel I'd ever created. Oh, Not oh just the images I actually created yeah. where I had the this page down cells that are order form sell. Like I was like 130 something funnels I'd created before we launched ClickFunnels. And wow. so it wasn't so much like, oh, I got lucky with ClickFunnels, like, no, like I was in motion. I was in momentum. I was doing the thing and doing the thing and doing the thing. And I'm a big believer that God gives every single one of us ideas, right? Yep. And these ideas come to us. And I think part of it, if you ever had the thing where like you see someone create something, like, oh, I had the idea like a year ago. Yes. Like, all yes. Stuff, like oh, I thought of Uber. That was my Elizabeth
0: idea. Gilbert writes that about it in Big Magic, where she's like, ideas oh, are so in motion so. and they'll like visit us. And sometimes we let them go and they
1: go on, they move on. And I think God's giving us these ideas and saying, okay, who's going to be a good steward of this idea? And then like, if you go and like, I get this idea for this stupid product about potato guns. And then like, I do it and God's like, huh, Russell's a good steward of ideas. Let's give him another one. Here's Zip Brander. And then I'm like, oh, and I do the thing. He's like, oh, he's a good steward of ideas. Let me give another one and another one. And over time, he's like, okay, Russell's worthy of it. Click funnels. I was like, oh, that's the game, right? It's not that like you just show up and the success happens. It's, Am I going to act on these ideas? Am I a good steward of them when they show up? If so, I'll get bigger ones and better ones until I get to the eventually the thing that you're hoping to create someday in the long term.
0: A fact of life? You're going to change, especially as you build a career that is true to you. As co-founder and president of Boss Babe, Daniel Canty knows career transformation and is teaching you her process for navigating all of your small or massive changes. Right now, we are facing a time where they're calling it the Great Resignation, where thousands upon thousands, even into the millions of women are leaving the workforce. Nearly one in three women are looking for another job or looking to leave their current job. And I think that's super exemplary of like the world we found ourselves in and how we're coming out of the last few years and really asking ourselves, one, how am I really? But two, what do I really want? So what was your experience? Because your story around this to me has always been so inspiring to me.
10: I feel like for a long time and, you know, I've read your book. It's amazing. And you talk about this in there about basically creating a life that you feel like you should. yeah. Like it's like, Oh yeah, of course I'm going to go to college. Then I'm going to get married and then I'm going to have babies. And I really was on that trajectory. Like Mm -hmm. I went to university, I got the job. Then I was like, okay, how do I take the next stepping stone? And then I was like, well, actually I kind of want to start my own business at that point. And there was this whole realization that I wasn't really claiming my true power. Like Mm -hmm. I was doing the things I thought I should to be the good girl, to be the perfect daughter, to be the perfect wife, you know, all of these things. And I really found myself in 2016, like I built a career in chiropractic. So, you know, just like you do at school, they ask you in the UK particularly like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) They're asking you at like 16, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And at that point, I just really wanted to help people. And that, you know, in the surroundings that I was at the time, the only way I was exposed to doing that was either being a doctor or a chiropractor. And I decided to go the chiropractic route and I built an amazing career. So I qualified in 2010 and I was building a really great career. And, you know, financially I was doing... All right. Yeah. And I was feeling like, okay, I'm enjoying this. But ultimately in 2016, my dad had this horrendous ski accident where we were all kind of being a little bit silly, a little bit competitive and we were racing and he hits like a, a bit of snow, went up in the air and landed at 70 miles an hour. And we know that because he had a tracking speed on and he fractured all of his pelvis, And he was helicoptered to the airport. Had to go undergo a really long surgery, and basically had to be kept in France for like several weeks. And what I realized was that, hang on a minute, I have some financial freedom at this point, but I have no flexibility or location freedom. Mm. Like I mm. have to get home to do my nine till five. In fact, it was actually an eight till six thirty. If I'm really honest, <laughs> there was no nine till five would have been much nicer. Yeah. I had to get home. I have to go work. Like. And I didn't feel like I had any control of my life. I felt like I had those golden handcuffs that people talk about. Like I felt like I had things all right. And on paper I was free and I was doing well, but I didn't feel like that. I felt horrible. And even just talking, I can feel my whole body like Mm -hmm. contorting to the shape like, I felt so trapped. Yes. And even now, like part of me is like, oh, you know, what a privileged position to be in where you have you have a job and you're earning and yet still it's okay to want more. So that's the first thing I would say. And for me, I was just like, I don't want this life. Like This doesn't feel good for me. And the reason I had this flash forward, which was like, wow, if this is happening now, when my dad has had this accident at this age, what is this going to be like when I have kids? What is Mm -hmm. this going to be like when my parents Mm -hmm. get a little bit older and I don't have that flexibility to go and see them because I didn't live near them either. And it was just all of this realization that made me realize this is not the life that I want. And it was about realizing that in my heart was different to what the life I've been living because the life I've been living was the picture book, the book that I thought I, the 2.4 children life that I thought I was supposed to create. And my reality was that that didn't make me feel good and I wasn't enjoying it. So how could I actually change? And then the following years, you know, that was 2016. I had that realization. The following years, I'm just going to say it now, like most people think, oh yeah, then you just jumped into Boss Babe. That was not <laughs> at it at yeah. all. Like I didn't even start Boss Babe until like 2018. And yeah. it was like two years of trial and error, but imperfect action, I would say was the key thing. Like I was actively looking. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I was going to change it, but I was like actively looking at making a change to create the life and the lifestyle that I actually wanted.
0: I can't believe we're closing in on the last moments before my first book, How Are You Really, is finally in your hands. For me, getting to sit down with these 10 creators and entrepreneurs that I'm lucky enough to call friends for the expert series offer was the cherry on top of writing and releasing my first book. I hope you'll pre-order your copy of How Are You Really? You can do that at howareyoureallybook.com and dive into every ounce of goodness they so kindly and openly and candidly shared inside of this exclusive offer. Thank you so much for supporting this book and this show. And until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And I cannot wait for you to read my new book. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast.